Blog Talk Radio.
All Eyes on Chicago, August 20th to the 23rd, as Chicago welcomes the first annual Black Wall Street National Conference. Joining us in our efforts in sustaining and increasing black business. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com and listen to Black Wall Street USA, Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com slash cbbn. This ad was sponsored by Chicago's blackbusinessnetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. But the reason for all this energy is because I feed off the power of faith, optimism, and positivity. And in case you didn't know it, the fun has started. And all efforts to maintain it cannot be done half-hearted. Now recognize, they say time flies when you're having fun. But I say, the more time you got for fun, the less time flies. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good to my mind made up. But the reason for this smile on my face and why I appreciate every breath is because I'm surrounded by a lot of love and respect. Plus, I realize the more we appreciate, the more we get back. And that's not theory, it's fact. But you want to know the real reason why I'm just grinning and cheesing? It's simply because I'm still breathing. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. I got my mind made up, ain't nothing going to but the real reason I'm excited is because I recognize negativity and know exactly how to fight it. Plus, it's by my conscience in which I am guided. I am way too blessed to be stressed. For me, nothing is impossible. I am too reluctant to succumb to the pressures of worldly obstacles. The sun is rising, the birds are starting to sing. The flowers are blossoming, oh, something great is happening. And I'm feeling good. I got my mind made up, ain't nothing going to stop me from feeling this way. I'm feeling good, ain't nothing wrong with a good thing. And I'm making history on this day. I'm feeling good. I've been rewarded with so much now that I've learned to appreciate. And I'm feeling good. A great day to be alive with this life never felt so great.
Welcome back to Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, June 24, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co-host for this segment. We want you to know that this has been a great week, and it's going to be a great eight weeks. Yes, we are counting down, counting down because... All eyes on Chicago as Black Wall Street Chicago prepares to host the first Black Wall Street National Convention and Summit scheduled for August 20th. We want you to join us as we focus on Black Wall Street districts across the nation. We anticipate more than 500 professionals from across the nation to be in attendance at this first convention hosted by our Chicago base. As we count down to the convention, this show, Black Wall Street USA, will be focused on keeping you updated on what's going on inside of the Chicago headquarters of Black Wall Street Chicago. Be a part of this historical event by calling in and being part of the solution. Our call in number is 347-326-9477. 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you would like to speak to one of our guests or if you have a comment. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. In the upcoming weeks, all eyes will be on Chicago as we prepare for the National Convention. During each of the upcoming eight weeks leading up to the convention, we will be focused on different aspects of the event, such as the upcoming workshops and seminars, the actual summit itself, as well as uh, our visits to the districts and their participation. This is just a partial list of the workshops to be presented. Women in Business, Follow the Money, Business Networking, Marketing and Advertising, Business Development, Youth, uh, Chicago Youth, international relations, and much more. If you have an interest in being a presenter or a part of the summit or any of the workshops that we just mentioned, please call us at 312-239-8835, 312-239-8835, and we'll get that information out to you. That's 312-239-8835. But this particular evening, I think we're going to focus on an overview of cities around the country and discuss what their with the city with their city's 2040 plan and uh I think Ron Carter can explain that's one of his favorite subjects. I think he can explain a little bit more about that to you because every time we mention CMAP 2040 plan people look bewildered. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Perdue. Before we go any further, let's welcome our host to the show. Ron Carter, welcome to the show. How are you this evening? I'm doing very good, Sonia. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ron. It's been an uh, exciting day. Uh, oh, yeah. And here we are again. Here we are again. It's almost, you feel like 24-hour days, Ron. Tell us what's going on over at Black Wall Street. Well, as you indicated, we're at the countdown to our national summit in August, uh, August the 20th to the uh, 23rd, and uh, we had a very exciting 
an intense uh, meeting, as uh, as you indicated. All eyes are on Chicago, and with knowing that, the committee take that to heart, take that into its direction, take that into how we structure this next summit. And as we're doing the national summit, uh, as you indicated, that we are looking at also Chicago 2040 and what Chicago will look like in the year 2040. Uh, but prior to the 2040, there are things that's happening now that is preparing how Chicago will look 2040. And again, is that going to be a represent, representation of parity uh, to the black community? But not just in Chicago, every major city have its 2040 plan, its 2020 plan, and in the year 20, uh, in the year 1950, it had its 2000 plan. How do we be a part of that? And the concern is is that throughout the United States, as we focus on different issues and sustaining and increasing black businesses, we see that the same issues are reflected. Uh, on our program um, a few weeks ago, we had someone in Washington, D.C., um, stated that the, the business, uh, black businesses in Washington, D.C., get close to zero amount of the contract. Uh, we had a representative from the National uh, Contract Association in San Diego indicating as he goes throughout the country that the, 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 the focus of blacks being involved in the development is still an exclusion opposed to an inclusion. And as we look at this whole scenario, even going back to uh, Black Wall Street of Tulsa, Oklahoma, where blacks uh, actually control not only the economics of their community, but in influence the development of others to the point that that was too much for them to to uh, witness that they end up uh, actually having a, a riot or some would say a massacre on that black community. So the focus of 2040 is have a lot of roots in what the foundation of America has been about. And if we still have to look at what slavery has to do with today, what uh, Jim Crow has to do with today, what uh, desegregation has to do with today, uh, what drugs have to do with today, all of those same issues are reflection throughout the cities. So when we get together uh, in August, we do have an agenda to look at where are the cities? Where are the cities going as we prepare for a national agenda to direct some form of action? So the big picture with all of the uh, frustrations and all of the issues and all of the resolutions, we do have to be a part of that planning as we deal with those day-to-day -day issues. Like Chicago here, we are having this frustration over um, uh black-on-black black crime. I say that um, we won't have no black-on-black black crime as it relates to other communities do not have 
uh, so much of an Asian-on-Asian crime issue or a Greek-on-Greek crime issue as a um, um, other nationalities do not have that same uh, frustration of crime as they do in the black community here in Chicago, and it still reflects in Detroit, um, Oakland, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., New York, um, uh, San Diego, we still have that same common problem with the same issues, and I believe that all of it is due to the lack of strong economic stability in our communities. So looking at the year 2040 has everything to do with what we're doing to prepare for today. And so I'm looking at our show to try to get a little grip on this uh, black agenda, if you will, and how we're going to prepare uh, our communities. So it's intense, and we're ready to uh, roll up our sleeves, in which we have, to the point that we have claimed our areas with the black Wall Street districts. We feel real great that as we had resolutions and a bill to focus on a street in Chicago called 75th Street as the Black Wall Street District. Now we have another uh, business strip on Stony Island that is uh, uh, getting ready to where they had legislation passed for it to be a Black Wall Street District, and now they're gearing up for a major celebration. So we're moving on to the west side of Chicago for a Black Wall Street District and in Bronzeville, and we still have our eyes on Gary, Indiana. Even taking into picture the the focus of the Jackson family is going to put a museum, uh, an amusement park in uh, Gary, Indiana. That's still a big picture. How do we still have the blacks to be a part of the total economic and be part of the planning. So our mission is intense, our agenda is intense, and even though Black Wall Street Chicago came out of frustrations, it has moved within the last three years to have a representation and a template of where we need to go uh, in the future. And um, all of us are feeling good and proud, and it is a tedious uh, mind-bothering type of uh, agenda that we own, but we know it's the right agenda that is long overdue. So, yes, Sonia, we got uh, a heck of an agenda, even to the point that we have maybe about 12 workshops that we're going to engage the people at this uh, summit, and then from there we're going to have presentations from each district, uh, Black Wall Street District, uh, from around the country as well. So it is definitely a heck of a task that we have to uh, fulfill here. Thank you, Ron. You listen to Black Wall Street USA with our host, Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Yes, Ron, we have about 13 workshops right now, and I think if you keep going, we're going to have about 25. But we know, <laughs> we know we got, <laughs> I had to tell you that. I had to tell you. Gotta, gotta stop him, people. He's just, he's just gone on down the road with that. There, and I think part of that is, uh, and part of that comes from which, which ones have the priority? They all seem, to have a priority for us in our community because we have layers and layers of issues. So which ones 
do we pick? And then we need to add another one. And then, yes, this is a concern, too. And all of these are concerns and, and very, very important concerns. For all of you that uh, are not aware of it, we do uh, hold meetings every Thursday morning. Black Wall Street Chicago has a weekly committee meeting on Thursday mornings at 8.30 a.m. at the offices of South Street Journal located at 449 East 35th Street. These meetings are open to the public. We just request that you give us a call at 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351-2RSVP. But you're certainly welcome uh, in the midst of this countdown. This is week eight. Tighten it up, week seven. Let's go back a little bit and explain to them. I know you, you talked about, we talked about CMAP, which stands for Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. And we're quite sure that different cities uh, across the country have similar plans with different names, but it all means the same. And uh, I believe I read, Ron, that when you first, and you correct me, walked into one of these CMAP meetings, there was no black representation there. Is that correct? Well, it, uh, it represents the northeastern Illinois. Uh, Chicago is the hub, and it has a committee of 75 members. And of those 75 members, there was only two that were black. We felt as that, that that has no way representation of parity of the northern Illinois of Chicago to the point that uh, that part of Chicago at least represents about 30% um, of black representation, but that at least should have 30% of representation on this board. So uh, not only that the representation was in there from the board, but when we looked at the plans, we've seen that there was no representation of the communities, of the black communities. Uh, we, as we raised the issue, we began to dialogue with the CMAP, and we did uh, have them to put at least five communities in their planning, which they're in the process of making those hearings now and where they're going to be making their final uh, pitch on the year 2040 in October. So we was concerned about that lack of participation of having black representation on that board and even more that uh, that representation did not include the black communities. So that was a serious uh, concern that we definitely uh, jumped on and we did have stipulations that uh, five black communities are to be put in there. They gave us some type of static about it based on no needs assessment, no uh, uh, survey has been done. Well, we looked at if you did it for other communities, you should do it for ours. So we did engage them into taking a part in uh, planning for these particular communities, but we understand that that is a long way from how those communities are going to be affected in their plans for the year 2040. So we also have to uh, look at these other communities that are not represented and how these business organizations and these elected officials have neglected to include their community in these plans. So it was very kind of devastating to us and 
uh, somewhat of a slap in the face that we did not have that representation. And so we are beginning to uh, still push, and that's one reason why we are pushing for these black Wall Street districts so that whether they, we are in their plans or not, we are still looking at our own plan of inclusion on how funds and planning will include the black community. Yeah, Sonia, that was a, a real blow of, uh, of inclusion uh, when we look at that term um, free enterprise versus capitalism, which basically mean the same, but we still have to be very concerned about uh, how not only Chicago but other cities around the country are moving forward. So at the summit, we do have to have this overview of where the cities are going so that it do not interfere with where we need to go. Absolutely. And uh, as you were as you were talking, I was thinking about this little joke my grandmother used to make when they went up there on the moon and started walking around. She said, yeah, they're going up there on the moon, but it's not gonna, ain't going to be no black people up there. So it almost looked like there wasn't going to be any black people in Chicago, sort of like the oh, moon. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's sort of how, and definitely no black businesses. Um uh, right total exclusion, almost until uh, somebody must have let that out there. How did y'all find out about that? Because it, uh, it sounds like to me, they didn't mean for you to find out. They didn't mean to go ahead well, and Well, it's plane been on our minds. For, right. It's been on our minds for a while. Um, uh, one of our members, Reven Fellows, he brought it to our attention maybe about, ooh, two years, somewhat before we got involved. Even uh, South Street Journal newspaper did a little brief about it. But he brought it to our attention and let us know what is happening. And so uh, from the information that he provided, we pursued to get some more uh, uh, details. And, again, we called them to our summit meetings uh, so that they can explain their rationale and to explain what direction that they're going. Uh, but even as we have identified what our concerns are to them, there still is a long-term process of making sure that this planning is well-respected uh, of all communities. Great. I think that that is going to be uh, really one of the hot workshops on August 20th. Uh, 21st. That's going to be the actual day of the summit, and we look mm-hmm. forward to that one. Uh, and probably another one that we talked about a lot this morning, and and the committee and board got very excited about was uh, international relations. But what we're going to do, we're going to come back and talk about international relations. We uh, first of all, you listen to Black, you listen to Black Wall Street USA with the host Ron Carter. Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, I'm Sonia Perdue, his host for this segment. We're going to go to the phones, uh, Ron. Let's see who's on the line because we okay. want to we want to bring everybody around the nation into this dialogue. Welcome to Black Wall Street USA. You're on the air, area code 510. Hello there, Sister Sonia. Hello there, oh, Mr. Yeah. Carter. Can you I hear got that voice. How you doing, Chairman? <laughs> I'm fine. How you doing? We're doing okay. I'm glad y'all let me in on your meet this morning. That was that was spirit. That's exactly what we need. That that type of spirit. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I can say that you definitely added a a, a flair, and you see that uh, we do discuss in forms of summit resolutions where, you know, we have some members that definitely want to take up some issues with you at the summit. Right, right. Right, which is good based on that inclusion and the concern that people have. Uh, Let me ask you, you know, we've been talking about, uh, initially, uh, Chicago's 2040 plan on where Chicago is going and the concern of the lack of participation of blacks in Chicago planning for the year 2040. Uh, in your uh, meeting and, and, and dialogue with other cities, is that the similar case based on how different municipalities are planning and do you see that there is an inclusion of the black community part of these long-range plans? Well, no. And, and here in Oakland, they they have they forever have had what they call a general plan, which uh, usually you know was 20 years, 30 years, 40, 50 years out. Uh, they have a map mm-hmm. of the city, uh, and uh, and I, I'll just give you an example. Um, in West Oakland, there was a place called Seventh Street. And that was a very uh, successful black district. I mean, they had Slim Jenkins, Lincoln Theater, sort of like Black Wall Street. But uh, mm-hmm. during its height, during the 40s, when our when my grandparents came to California and worked in the shipyard, my grandmother was a Rosie Riveter. My uh, grandfather worked on the, sh- the boats and, and the ships and things like that. Long before the 40s even showed up, so far back as the 20s, they had a general plan for that area. So they allowed black folks to just come in there, set up business and enterprise and, and things like that without black folks knowing that it would be changed. So consequently what happened was intimate domain wiped out many of the Victorian homes and the neighborhoods and, and pretty much knocked out that business district. They built a huge post office, and I mean maybe four football fields. Uh, they wiped out probably 80 homes in that area. So that, at that point in the history of Oakland, I can just only speak on Oakland, uh, there was a general plan. The people were not a part of it. The reason the people weren't a part of it because they knew they would have opposition. And so that's why it's important that as we move forward in each municipality, in each city, that there's a core, a group of people who will always be there. In other words, the powers that be should expect that there will be fighters in these cities voicing their opinions, raising hell, uh, wanting to be uh, involved, knowledgeable about what the general uh, plan for their city is. Uh, Chicago 2040 plan, 2050 plan, you know, right now is the time that we, not just the people who are adults and who are of age now, but we got to get our young people uh, knowledgeable about what's going to happen 50 years down the road uh, to prepare for their grandchildren, you see. Gotcha, so gotcha. it, it, it you know, it, it, it's, it's done deliberately. It's deliberately, and this is nothing new. This is nothing new. They've always done it that way. Well, how do you, uh, how do Black Wall Streets, definitely we've been involved in the process here in Chicago, but Black Wall Street USA, as people will be coming here in Chicago with, eye, all, with all eyes on Chicago, what do you, uh, how do you vision the end result of this first National Summit of Black Wall Street? Well, I know that uh, they will come away from Chicago 
seeing something that's historic. Now, we got to take this into account. First of all, uh, when we first started talking in 2007, we had no clue that the uh, uh, the powers that be in, in, in your, your state capital would sign on, would, would push the idea of a historic black business district in Illinois. Uh, now, we... We, we, we wanted them to. We, you know, certainly wanted their support and their acknowledgement. But for it to go to this point with resolutions in both the Senate and the House of Illinois, that says a lot. What that says is, is that Chicago now is the, uh, uh, by virtue of your four districts, is, is the, the, uh, uh, the laboratory, the, the, you know, the template for a national uh, approach to Black Wall Street. So this will allow people who come from around the country to say, oh, well, when I went to uh, Madison Avenue or Bronzeville or, or Stony Island or East 75th, this is what I encountered. I encountered people who were being engaged by the Black Wall Street organizations on a myriad of issues. And if I, if we can do that, if they can do that in Chicago, when I go back to Greensboro, when I go back to Charlotte, or when I go back to San Diego or Seattle, where all of these different places have districts, we can apply the same strategy, the same approach, or a similar strategy or a similar approach uh, in that spirit. So Chicago will lend, it, 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 although we're having the national there, it's really for people to come and see the districts, you know, uh, living, breathing, uh, active districts, working on behalf, for example, that bakery there on East 75th Street, I think it's the lady name. But as a result of Black Wall Street stepping in, negotiating with the owner of the property, uh, uh, you know, being a mediator, those are the sort of things that people, when they come to the national conference, will get a sense of. They, they'll say, okay, now I see how this thing uh, is unfolding. So the national mm -hmm. conference will be a place for folks from wherever. If you're listening now, you don't want to miss this because, you know, we have some powerful speakers, some powerful presenters, and this will be the arena where you can get an idea of how it actually works. Mm -hmm. So with the uh, other cities, uh, the, again, there are definitely are some cities that's not going to be represented, but how do you vision to that we would be able to uh, reach out? I understand early this today, we, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you was in this part of the meeting, but we did discuss Chicago being a regional um, uh, part of Black Wall Street USA, uh, but how do we actually reach out and engage other cities that uh, may not be at this particular summit? Well, well, uh, the same way we're doing it now, uh, and and that's thank God for Sonia and the radio show, uh, uh, and also you know through the press, through the website, um, it's going to take a lot of dialogue. Uh, it's going to require uh, those of us who are living the Black Wall in the Black Wall Street, Street spirit now to reach out to those uh, municipalities. And again, they're not going to be as responsive. I mean, we have people in Philadelphia that's been talking about a Black Wall Street Philadelphia since Black Wall Street Oakland's been in existence, and we're going on 13 years. So that means they haven't got mm -hmm. their thing together up there. So my point is, mm -hmm. we have to continue to engage. But what would make it easier? is now that we are, uh, and, and we're going to pass resolutions officially recognizing those regions, of, it'll probably be about five or six regions, east, mm -hmm. southeast, upper Midwest, south, 
up northwest and, and, the, uh, and, and the west coast, uh, those regional directors will be able to sort of tutor, uh, mentor, uh, guide individuals who express interest. The only people, Ron and Sonia, that will express interest are those who get the vision, who know the story of Tulsa, uh, who, who, who are willing to work, but there's some energy and effort behind it, uh, and they will come to us. They will come to just as you contacted us, uh, San Diego and so forth and so on, Atlanta. They will come to us, and we just have to be prepared to take them by the hand and say, look, this is how we went about it. You may not go about the same way in the same like uh, 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 method, but at least you will have uh, the support system behind you uh, sort of propelling you forward. Right. Now, I've, uh, you know, if you go online and you just do a search for Black Wall Street, you will have different Black Wall Streets, uh, different names from financial institutions using the name Black Wall Street to uh, record companies using the Black Wall Street. There's a Black Wall Street game. There is, matter of fact, just uh, yesterday, uh, was it yesterday? What, what day was it? Uh, Sonia, you went to a meeting uh, with the um, uh, the guy that owns the Regal. He had a Black Wall Street name called Black Wall Street. What was it called, Sonia? Uh, Rick McCoy of the Regal Theater, uh, the general manager there, uh, has an organization, organization, Black Wall Street 36 to 100, which means the money rotated 36 to 100 times within the Tulsa, Oklahoma community. And that's, uh, that's what his dream and vision is. And he, as we met with him, Michael, uh, regarding possibly using his venue for the summit for one of our days or one of our activities, he went through, uh, as you say, the spirit is there. We're just a little bit disconnected. Before we even got into talking about uh, renting the venue or talking business, Rick McCoy actually did a half an hour presentation <laughs> on Black Wall Street 36 to 100 to uh, to let us know what he felt. And we sit there and we listen to him uh, about his program and his plan. And it, it seems like oh, people all over, they have the same vision, but if there is a division, and we need to bridge that gap, and that's how I see that, right. that particular meeting. Okay, so with that one example and then the other examples of different black Wall Streets, could you see that there is some type of unification of identification, uh, if I can use the term how people will uh, use the term African-American or they use the, the name black? and they associate different titles with black. They use different association and names using African-American. And the same thing that I'm looking at is how people would use the term Black Wall Street. How do you, uh, as Sonia indicate, is there a, a, a necessary link to these names of Black Wall Street uh, to some type of degree? Well, yeah. Uh, well, now I can just say that the, there's a record label out there um, that uses the name Black Wall Street. And in fact, when we first got started, uh, JT, the bigger figure uh, rapper out here in, in Oakland, uh, sent his attorney or server over to our office and wanted us to turn over the web domain to him because he was using the name Black Wall Street. 
And so some white fellow down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, purchased the name BlackWallStreet.com, and he had leased it to him for some time, and he was selling the actual domain name for $10,000. Oh, so my God. Yeah, this white fellow knew the value of the domain. See, for me, what forced me, well, let me put it this way, what forced uh, uh, my spirit on this issue was the fact that if we're going to talk about Black Wall Street, it has to be in the spirit of what Black Wall Street really was. Now, we could have called this Africa, Little Africa because that was the original name. We could have called this the Greenwood District. And that was really the name of the Black, the, the Black Wall Street area in Tulsa. The Black Wall Street name came well after uh, uh, Wall Street even, even was established uh, in New York. So uh, the, the, the name is, is, is now being used as a fad or as a, uh, a catchphrase. And what's sad is that those who are throwing it out there really don't know the true history of Tulsa. And what I know what I encounter, I've been to probably 90 cities around this country talking about Black Wall Street, and the, the, the most thing they remember is the destruction of Black Wall Street. So that gave my soul, my spirit, the, the task of teaching folk about what happened prior to the riot uh, uh, and the destruction, sort of like uh, uh, the way my, my grandfather used to do us. He used to say, well, I'm whooping your behind, but I don't want you to remember that you got your behind whooped. I want you to remember why you got your behind whooped, and that's, and that's the sort of the same side. I don't want people to just remember that Tulsa got burned down. I want them to remember why Tulsa stood, why it, it existed, why it lived, why it breathed, why it provided mm -hmm. something for the people in that area. And so if you do it in that way, it's no longer just a name, Black Wall Street. We got Black Wall Street Financial Services. We got Black Wall Street Records. We got Black Wall Street this, Black Wall Street that. And none of it really is dealing with uh, the original reason it was called Black Wall Street. White folk gave uh, that area of Tulsa that name. White folks are the ones that coined that phrase. And so, oh, it is. I didn't know that part of the history. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they came back from World War One, uh, and uh, those veterans from World War One looked over there and they said, "Man, I've been over there fighting in this war for this country, and I come back here and these Negroes got them up." A Wall Street, Black Wall Street over there, you know, and that's how it came about. It wasn't the mm -hmm. Black folks came up; with it. they was calling it Little Africa. Mm -hmm. And so, that, and so it's all in a name, but it's also all in the spirit, and uh, that's what differentiates what we're doing. We're actually saying our ancestors gave us the task, and we pick up the, the baton and we run it with it. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, as far as being able to have some type of unification of identification with the historical meaning and spirit of Black Wall Street, is that a necessary uh, type of move among Black Wall Street USA? I tell you, like my my pastor says, try the spirit by the spirit, and I, 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 I you know, again, we really didn't have to go out and contact chambers of commerce and contact black leadership in, in economics and city planners and things like that who were African-American, they contacted us. And so what that meant was is that the fact that we're doing the right thing will lend folk who are in that kind spirit, that same spirit, to want to unify with us. If they're not in that spirit, no matter how much we try to reach out to them, they're not in that spirit. And, and, uh, uh, and so for those who've contacted us, we run with it. 
and 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 we 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 share with them the true history of Black Wall Street, and uh, what our mission and our goal is. Our goal, as as you did, uh, it's not just in Chicago to uh, sustain and increase black businesses, but that's all over. And, and the other part I want to I want to throw out there too, it's not just about Oakland being the national headquarters. We we need a physical place to just say that we're an organization. Yes, but every district. Mm-hmm put something in the pot or bring something to the party that is beneficial to other districts, sort of like families, you know. And if you look at it from the standpoint of a matrix of a family, everybody contributes something, even the little babies on up to the elders. So every district uh, uh, contributes something to enhance or to make other districts better. That's the goal here. And uh, we got to remember, black, the original Black Wall Street did not come about this way. It was just out of segregation because of the need uh, of certain basic needs that people needed, and somebody just said, okay, I'll start a business doing that. And that's how it started. But isn't that uh, making it even harder for um, the the black community to be um, more focused and more advanced and where it should be because we do not have the quote-unquote segregation to keep us united? I can even... Uh, give a little example when I was in the United States Navy uh, that we were on a ship of um, 130 sailors. You know, that 130 sailors, 20 were black. But we were forced to, uh, and I think it was more like by choice that we stood together under, you know, going across the Pacific Ocean. Uh, so we don't. Uh, is it a, a point that we don't have that luxury of segregation in order to be together? Well, you know, as far as we segreg- should be. Well, I mean, segregation uh, is really not uh, totally eliminated. Uh, and but 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 if you just want to go there, what has replaced segregation is the prison industrial complex. So what you have basically is. Uh, they couldn't segregate us one way, so they segregated us another way. Fifty-one, fifty-three percent of the people in jail and prisons today are African American. That's not the, the reflection or parity of the population of this nation. So why is that? Well, they, again, after Reconstruction, after Reconstruction, in the, in the, in the late nineteenth uh, uh, century, uh, they had to do something with black men. And what did they do? They start building prisons all over the country chain gangs and all of that stuff. They had to do with something with black people. So that's what's happening here. Uh, you have a lot, and, and, and what's even sad is that the juvenile population of African-American youth and the population of African-American women in prisons is higher. So you really don't, there's really not have been a change because here you have uh, humanity, and, and I want people while you're listening to read Tocqueville. Tocqueville came to America just to study the prison system and, and how America treated their, their, their uh, incarcerated. But that is a reality. It, it replaced segregation. I mean, starts in your face, Jim Crow segregation. They replaced it with the prison industrial complex. Well, in that light, since they replaced it with, with, with the prison industrial complex, we must have a uh, mechanism in place. We, we, we're, 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 we're obligated as men and women, but, but especially as men, we can't ask our women to follow us anywhere if we can't create an industry and, and, and an opportunity for children that are coming along or an option, an option mm-hmm. uh, versus jail, uh, college, business, enterprise. There has to be an option there. So 
uh, yeah, segregation was the force or, or was the reason behind uh, Tulsa, that, that, that 36 square block area in the northwest portion of Tulsa, the Greenwood District, yes, they were shoved in that area. But look what happened. Something beautiful happened, and they created an economic base out of, because of segregation. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing can happen today with the mm -hmm. prison industrial complex and the lack of, uh, and, and, you know, anything going against affirmative action. Now, here's Proposition 209. Ward Connolly, that pretty much knocked out any affirmative action for anybody. So we have to have something in place. To, uh, uh, to 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 ward that off. So you know, if it's not segregation, if the prison industrial complex is is you know, I I mean we can go on. But mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, with know. the um, the mission of uh, Black Wall Street, um, as you look at other organizations, uh, for example, in um, Chicago hold on, hold on. we had the. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, in Chicago, uh, I believe that was in March. This past March, we had uh, a panel of uh, prominent uh, representations of leadership from Louis Farrakhan, uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, ooh, uh, Dorothy Tillman. Um, the uh, there was maybe about um, uh, I guess maybe about nine. Uh, leaders that came to Chicago to address the black agenda. Um, right. For the most part, people walked away. There was about 3,000 people that showed up at this uh, particular uh, program. Um, and in showing up, uh, the sentiments that they walked away frustrated with no agenda. Uh, is the Black Wall Street USA uh to is it to engage with this leadership and with this notion of a black agenda uh if it's nothing but from its own municipality or from a national uh focal point and with or without or uh, in collaboration with the um leadership of different organizations or do it move on, or does it try to blend together? How, how does that work? Well, uh, if we can just go back uh, historically, uh, that would probably be the best answer. We did not have nowhere near the uh, the black leadership organ. I mean, we got black leadership organizations coming out of our out of our feet all over the place. You got a black organization for this that, and the other. Well, that wasn't the case for. Uh, those who, when they initially started Black Wall Street. So they did not have that support. In, uh, I mean, the, probably the closest thing they had was abolitionists, uh, William Lord Garrison on the white side and Frederick Douglass on the black side with regards to some national movement. So there was no NAACP, there was no Urban League, there was no you know, na National Organization of Negro Women. None of that existed. So mm -hmm. what they had to do was, one, in the spirit of the Lord, because that was a foundation. And two, in the spirit of survival, create something. And they didn't do. They didn't need. Uh, uh, they didn't need organizations to make that happen. So if we can do that today, uh, not saying that we don't need them, but it would seem to me that if their organizational mission and their focus is to make things better for black people, well, you certainly can't ignore economics. And something should happen on the line of. Uh, uh, I mean, take the Urban League. They didn't start out 
dealing with economics. This is the most recent uh, phenomenon. And they started getting money from all these corporations and things like that. The NAACP mm-hmm. started moving in the direction of getting money and so forth for economics. So you obviously see that they're doing it. What Black Wall Street does is give a in-your-face uh, model of what it means to have a black business district and have that money recirculate in the community several times where we're self-sufficient. So if the Urban League, you know, if, if Rainbow Push, if the National whoever, whoever, want to join in that effort, first they got to realize the Spirit of the Lord is the foundation of it. And then what we do as leaders is the, is the, is the other part. See, they were not, our fathers in Tulsa was not was not privy to having those type of organizations on on their side. It just didn't happen. All right. Well, we're going to take a break right now, uh, Michael. And if you want to, you can okay. definitely uh, hold on after we take this break, and we're going to be right back to discuss some more regarding our Black Wall Street USA National Summit that's going to be held here in Chicago, August twentieth through the 23rd, and um, just hold on, and uh, we'll be right back after this break. Sonia? All right. Thank you, Ron. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. We're going to go to a break, but as Ron said, we want you to stay tuned. We're going to come back with more information on the upcoming Black Wall Street National Convention and Summit. And right now we want to play uh, something from one of our sponsors, and we hope that you too will come forth and be one of our sponsors. We support organizations like Partners in Community Building, Inc., as they contribute to building up our communities by enriching the lives of others. Partners in Community Building is a nonprofit organization and there is no charge for their services. PICB is a HUD certified counseling agency and here are just a few of the services available to you in the Chicagoland area. Foreclosure prevention, there is no charge for this service. Winterization, who doesn't need their home winterized. CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Programs. Even if you are paying your electric and gas bill on time, you may still qualify for assistance from CETA. Home ownership counseling is available as well as rental assistance referrals. Partners in Community Building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, contact PICB at 312-328-0873. Call 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. Ms. Bobby Ball is the Executive Director of Partners in Community Building, Inc. Tell her you heard about it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. A successful special event can be very challenging and stressful at times. Our staff of professionals organizes your event down to every last detail, no matter what size your special event may be. Our creativity and attention to detail turns your ordinary party into an extraordinary event. At Andy Clyde's, world-class service for our clients is standard. We can provide travel arrangements, accommodations, event sites, caterers, florists, photographers, transportation, hairstylists, and makeup artists, favors, 
daily plans for guests, and pre-event information such as detailed maps, save the date cards, and invitations. Being a custom event planner means that we cater to you. We are not locked in by guidelines passed down by corporate. It is our job to find the best possible way to present your event. We have been referred to as Dream Weavers because we listen to what you want and get it done. Our specialties are the vacation packages. Visit our website at www.ndclides.net to see examples of what sets our services above others. And remember, at Andy Clides, we are your
we're back, and you're tuned in to Black Wall Street USA with Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. All eyes on Chicago as Black Wall Street Chicago focuses on the Black Wall Street districts across the nation. Join us this evening for an update on the upcoming Black Wall Street National Convention and Summit scheduled for August 20th through 23rd in Chicago. We want you to visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com for more information. We're consistently updating that site every day. We anticipate more than 500 professionals from across the nation to be in attendance. Be part of this historical event by calling in and being part of the solution. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477, The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you would like to speak to one of our guests or if you have a comment. We have another caller on the line from California, so we want you to stay on the line with us. We're going to make a few announcements uh, before we go back to the phone. Michael Carter, National President of Black Wall Street USA, is also on the line with us this evening. A couple of things I wanted to share with you. Um, as I said, we're expecting over 500 business owners and professionals from across the nation. Actually, uh, the National Summit and Convention is a grassroots organization. Everybody is welcome. It's not a convention. It's a summit. If you listen to all our shows, Ron Carter explains the difference between that. We have uh, people bring resolutions to the floor. Everybody has a vote. It's quite different. That's August 20th through 23rd. Now, if you're coming in from out of town, make your arrangements at Chicago South Loop Hotel, a unique urban boutique experience. You can reach them by calling 312-225-7000, 312-225-7000 to make your reservations. And if you go to the national website, blackwallstreetdistrict.com, you uh, can also go there and link to Chicago, uh, Chicago South Loop Hotel. That's one of the announcements we wanted to bring forth for you today. Also, we wanted, to, wanted you to know that in Chicago, over at the offices of South Street Journal, Black Wall Street and Chicago's Black Business Network will be on Wednesday, June 30th, that's next Wednesday, hosting a free networking event. You can come over and meet us and engage in some of these dialogues. It gets quite interesting in here at our events. That's Wednesday, June 30th, 20 to 10, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also register for the summit and convention over, over here that evening. We're located at 449 East 35th Street, 449 East 35th Street. This is a free networking event. It's networking Chicago style. Bring your business cards and your best business presentation. We're going to permit everyone to give a two-minute pitch about themselves, their organization, make your speech, whatever it is that you want to do. Uh, but you can also visit my website at uh, www.chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com for additional information, or you can call us at 312-624-8351. One thing that I did not want to let pass by uh, before we go off 
the air this evening because I think it's very important, and I hope that he comes over. And, and as a matter of fact, we expect him to come over and be part of the convention and summit. That is the uh, initiative that the Reverend Dr. Albert Sampson is taking on, uh, not only in the city of Chicago but across America. And according to him, he was on one of our previous shows, uh, he's reaching over to Africa with his agenda that there is no culture without agriculture. Dr. Reverend Dr. Al, ooh, let me get this straight. Reverend Dr. Albert Sampson uh, is the senior minister at Farmer United Methodist Church. That's over there at 157 South Wallace. Uh, he's also the head of the Farm Wound Department of Agriculture and George Washington Carver Farms. He is deep, deep, deep into his agriculture, deep, and he is very knowledgeable about it. Knowledgeable about it. I've heard him speak on this subject more than one time. Uh, his catchphrase is from rural to urban connection, uh, trying to cure some of these four uh, food deserts that we have across our community. Uh, the show that we had was titled, Is the African Child in America Starving to Death? Although we may be happy, we look well fed, are we really starving to death? And what he's doing is, uh, and I'm going to read this from his uh, flyer here, let your church be the link in your community. We need church parking lots to sell farmers, sow food, vegetables, and fruits. Reverend Sampson has a farm. He is moving food from these farms into the urban area. He is using, he's setting it up so he can use church after church after church on Saturday mornings to sell these fresh fruits and vegetables from black farmers. And he's kicking off this initiative. He hasn't just started doing this, but he's kicking off this initiative this Saturday, which is the 26th, and I'm going to give you the number to call, 773-870-6556, 773-870-6556. This is a food chain, people. This is a food chain from the farmers down south to the church open lot to the consumer up north. We need to get well fed uh, in more than one way. Uh, we're feeding you, as Michael Carter said, your spirit and your mind through the Black Wall Street agendas. Robin Sampson is trying to feed your body in a much, much better way. Look, look around you at the disease in our community. You're looking at, you listen to Black Wall Street USA. Come out on Wednesday and be with us over here at 449 East 35th Street. I'm Sonia Purdue. We're going to bring our host back. Welcome back, Mr. Carter. Welcome back, Michael Carter. Well, thank Hello. you, Sonia, for those um, announcements. Um, we do want to also mention that the registration it will be at the Chicago South Loop, which is uh, the first and only black major hotel in Chicago. And then, as we move on to the um, to the uh, June thirtieth, that in my understanding is Representative Lashawn Ford is going to be in attendance with us. Yes, uh, Representative LaShawn Ford uh, called personally to our SVP, and he also called personally, Michael, to say he wants to get on board. He wants to be part of the commit, planning committee, tell him what he could do. So that's what we're going to do. We look forward to working with him. Great, great. So, um, Michael, uh, you see that we are definitely 
um, moving in the spirit, as you put it, here in Chicago with a lot of work here. Uh, well, mm-hmm. let's uh, bring on the other caller and see where well, you're let me, let me, let me. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Can you guys hear me? Okay, let me introduce okay. him. Uh, this is my, my pastor, my friend, my brother, my mentor, confidant, everything you can roll into one. His name is Dr. Jasper Lowry, and he runs a ministry at Community Services out here in Oakland, which has partnered with Black Wall Street uh, uh, in the spirit. They provide just about everything you can imagine for anybody who's going through anything, and namely the reentry part of our community, those who are getting out of prison. And it was nothing but the Lord that I talked about, the prison industrial complex earlier. And now here we are sharing, breaking bread together. So uh, as I just present Dr. Jasper Lyon, I'm just going to let him uh, share with you uh, uh, a bit about his ministry, and hopefully he'll be there in Chicago in, in August. Dr. Lowry. Well, praise the Lord. Dr. Lowry, how are you? And welcome to uh, Chicago's Black um, Business Network, and the program is Black Wall Street USA. Um, That was a heck of an introduction, uh, saying who all you are, coming from our chairman, Michael Carter. Yes, sir. I give all the glory to God. I take no credit. Okay. Well, I have to, uh, I hope that we can have you here in Chicago at the National Summit. Are you planning to be with us? The dates do uh, agree with my calendar, so I'm going to make my, uh, I'm going to put my best foot forward, in other words, to be there. Okay. Well, let me enter uh, this type of uh, statement and concern and question to you, is that um, we've been here at Chicago Black Wall Street have had the the focus of trying to engage the religion community to take more of an active role with Black Wall Street. Yes, there's been many ministers that have come to our summits and they have been to our meetings, but one thing that we have not done, uh, we have not had an organized structure of taking advantage of the resources and the talents of the of, of the church and when it comes to black uh, economic development. But there was one minister uh, that have came to our office last week. Um, his name was uh, Elijah Hill. He's from Texas. And uh, he found out what we're doing. He found out about Black Wall Street USA. And he came to me and stated that we want to, uh, he wanted to be a part. He is the the director of the National, uh, let me get it right now, the National Museum of African American Religions, headquartered in Texas. And so he indicated to us that uh, I let him know the same thing I just expressed about our lack of an organized church uh, focus in Black Wall Street, and he indicated that he want to take that charge uh, because he has a base of understanding of how to engage the black church community in this whole movement of Black Wall Street. Uh, how do you assess where the church is at and what we need to do, but just a point we will be having a church 
uh, workshop or session at this summit. But what do you think it needs to do to enhance that economic relationship with the church, or should it be? Did I lose you, uh, Reverend Laurie? Hello? Did I lose everyone? <laughs> I'm not sure, Ron. You may have lost them. I'm going to put them on mute. Can, can Let's bring the me? other. Oh, we can hear them now. Oh. Yes, Michael, you're back. Yeah, are you there, uh, Reverend Laurie? Yes, sir. Can you hear me now? Oh, uh, yeah. You did, you, uh, hear my, uh, did you hear my statement or question? Yes, sir. I got your question. I think it's very okay. important. Uh, for empowerment purposes right now that organizations such as Black Wall Street are connected with the local church as well as the mega church and the mama, daddy church of, of any in every community. It's very important from, from the eating habits that we're addressed with to the housing crises that families are in to our kids being in the system. And, and all the economic empowerment that's required for us to to maintain as a civilization, as a people. So so the timing couldn't be better. I think it's God's timing, and uh, and you definitely have my support with Reverend Carter here in Oakland. And, and this message goes out to all the churches and the listeners that may be listening, the pastors. It, it's time for us to stop doing church and start building kingdoms. Mm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you um, profess a organized structure to engage the church in economic development? Or is so, that, again, uh, I mean, what steps do we need? And just using what's been happening here in Chicago, that we really have not been successful to organize uh, a church body. We know that Chicago is, if I have to be direct, uh, is controlled a lot by Mayor Daly, per se. Uh, but how do we actually engage that and make that happen? Well, my grandfather in the Lord, Bill Winston Ministries in Forest Park, Chicago, is, is one place I can advocate for. I'm part of his Faith Ministers Alliance organization. And I think outreach is the key. We're going to have to go out and, and get the information into the people's hands. We're going to have to walk it to them. We've got to get on the ground and running. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what would you say? Let me say this real yes. quick now. Uh, he's being modest. But he is one of uh, a few, in fact, the only pastor in Oakland. And there are over 500 churches, black churches in Oakland. And the city instituted this program called Measure Y. And the program is called again? Measure What's Y. What's the name of that program again? Measure Y. Can you hear me? Yeah, Measure Y. Yes, Measure Y. And okay. uh, uh, gener Generation X, Generation Y, that sort of thing. Oh, okay. So the, I'm this yeah, this preacher. Uh, with a few young men and, 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 and uh, uh, in, in the program, actually the assignment was to go into the streets and try to curb violence and have conflict resolution. Now, 
very, we was just talking about this about an hour ago because I asked him, I said, how many preachers, and I don't want to get him in trouble, but how many preachers actually walk with you on any given night for the whole four or five or six hours that you're out there? And not that many, not, not, not really, really, to be honest with you. So he's not just a pastor in the traditional sense. He's a pastor in the sense that he goes out and does what Jesus did by getting into the byways, getting into the hood, getting among the people, reducing uh, crime by having conflict resolution. So as a result, when you look at the crime statistics for Oakland in the West area, they have gone down because his team has gone, and I let him explain all of this, but I'm saying that uh, it takes more than us sitting up in these comfortable pews with, with our church clothes on and doing church. Jesus didn't do church. Now, don't get me started. See, that don't take much. He didn't do church. He went out into the community, and he engaged the community. And so this is what you have. This is who you have on the phone, somebody who actually, and, and to be honest with you, that program, although it's a political one uh, and, and voted on by the voters, it was made effective from a spiritual standpoint. You can't just put on a jacket and say, I'm going to do some conflict, re conflict resolution. That ain't going to work. It has to come okay. from the spirit. So that's my, my, my contribution to them. I'm going to be quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, as we have this um, uh, summit uh, workshop on the uh, church and economics, in which we are hopefully to get a confirmation of exactly what that workshop and session is going to be called, uh, would any of you have an idea of what type of uh, mixture of panels should that consist of? Sounds like they're going in and out again. Let's bring okay. the other caller well, on line. I'm sure, okay, I'm sure Michael will good. be back in a minute. Area code 510. Welcome to Black Wall Street, yeah, USA. We're going we're gonna to bring the other caller on. We're going to bring you all on. And, Ron, you can answer the question again. Michael, are you back now? Ron, yeah, we're both back. Well, okay. okay. You're going in and out, Michael. Ron, why don't you I answer the question because, again? I, I, I think it's because we both, we both in the car. On the phone with you. That's probably what's going on. Okay. Well, the let's bring on the. Uh, I'm gonna hold that question and I'm gonna bring the other caller on. Uh, caller. Is the other caller on? Everybody. Is everybody in your car, Michael? <laughs> Cause it's another, uh, I don't know. They could all be in Michael's car out there in Oakland somewhere. Because <laughs> the other caller is calling from California also, Michael. I don't know what's going on, but that's okay. That's okay. Well, how many calls do you have coming from California? Uh, we have two. We have you and someone else from California. Yeah, that's the, that's the bishop here. That's Pastor Lowry. I'm on here. I'm clear. Oh, no, but there was someone else as well. There was three. Okay, okay. Um, well, let me um, uh, pose the question to you again. Based on us having this, um, this session or workshop at the summit regarding church and economics, what would, you, uh, what would you say would consist of that panel, or what would be an idea panel to address that topic? Well, being that I'm... I'm non-denomination, word of faith. I just think about how 
they came from so far to greet baby Jesus and to bring gifts. So they didn't put no variance on who the group was that was in the spirit. So you're going to need some spiritualists maybe up there. You may need your, your Muslim brothers up there. I'm not going to hold to one faith because I'm non-denomination. I work with every religious group that's out there if they're doing something. I don't get into denomination jerks and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I, I just don't, I don't have time. But what I believe is what I believe, and Jesus is Lord in my, in my life. And so, therefore, but, but sometimes those other opinions from other places can give you another insight looking from a different direction. So I would say that there should be a mixture, but you definitely want to have a pastor that's from, if I can say this, the hood, the block from the hood, somebody that's still engaged with what's going on in the community, and he hasn't ran off into his, uh, you know, his sabbatical area where nobody can touch it. You need somebody that's involved with the people, that knows the voice of the community. Do you know about the current drugs and bowl and all this other stuff, cheese and all the stuff they're using? Do you know about psychotropic medications that would send a man's mind into hearing voices and, and speaking, you know, uh, another language other than the spirit? So there's things that, that a pastor needs to understand. Some pastors don't even do mental illness. They just they ain't dealing with that. So then you have the single women with children. you got mothers that have their kids in the system don't know how to bring them home, or don't know how to reunify with their family and their babies. They don't move their baby halfway across town. So you need, you need people of faith that understand and recognize the system and how it operates uh, to be on that panel. Mm -hmm. Well, let me uh, pose this here to you. It's a little tough one, but I'm going to uh, put it out to you. Um, and here in Chicago... Uh, giving certain parts of the south side of Chicago and definitely the west side. Most of the business trips, and particularly on the west side, you have more churches on the commercial strips than you have black businesses, and you have more other ethnic groups that are running the businesses, but it, it seems as though churches are more of a conglomerate in the black community than business. What do you all contribute that to? Or is that a fair that it is that way? Wow. Um, yeah, that's powerful. Many are called, but few are chosen. Amen. And I would imagine that all those churches were not chosen. Are called, should I say. But, but there they are. But then I still don't think there's enough due to the, the enough churches we're up against. Yeah, there needs to be, uh, well, should I say program? Every church should have a built-in community within it to sustain the people and, and fulfill the needs of the people and not just the collection place. So mm -hmm. the ones that are doing the community effort work are the ones that you want to get behind. Where some of the ones that are not, perhaps they got a strong word. I mean, that's all I can really say to not speak against the preacher. Right. Mm. they're doing God's will and they got a strong word. So, therefore. Well, all of them will claim that they are doing God's will and they're doing what they do in the name uh, of the Lord. How do the community, for example, I'm going to use this example again. Not example, the reality 
is that on particularly on majority on the west side of Chicago that it is more churches that's taken over the commercial strips in the poorest neighborhoods. It seems as though the poorest neighborhoods have the most churches and it's been a continuous cycle opposed to other neighborhoods that their commercial strips are of businesses. But it seems as though it is opposite, and especially, again, in the poorest neighborhoods. How do we, what has Brian, happened Brian, here? Brian, Brian, uh, first of all, you got to look at it historically. One, black folk are more spiritual or religiously based than any other people other than Native Americans in this country. That's number one. Uh, n- number two, it's much easier to set up a and sustain a church as, uh, than it is a business, and there's several reasons why. But if you're going to look at it in terms of judging a fruit, a tree by the fruit it bears, that's really the question you want to ask. Yes, they're there, but are they bearing any fruit? Are they doing anything? You know, when the preacher dropped that word, which is the seed of God, which is the word of God, when he dropped that seed, is he dropping that seed in good ground? Therefore, when he drops it in good ground, it produces fruit, sometimes a hundredfold. So if that's not happening, then what you basically have is four walls and some man up a woman in there talking about their pastor. And the, 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 the Christ, Jesus Christ, if, if churches were uh, operated in the same principles that Christ pretty much crammed into three chapters. And God, Christ took all of the Old Testament and, and, and all of the prophets in the history and crushed it down into three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, if, we, if those churches that are established in those poor areas would carry out the principles of Christ, uh, there would be no need for uh, this enemy. Or, for example, in Tulsa, the, uh, the Mount Zion, I mean, it was the premier black church they had just finished that edifice. They were going to dedicate it in July of 1921. But the way the church arrived to that point was because of sharecroppers, that church dealing with the issues in the community. There were only 22 churches in, in Tulsa. So they didn't need all of these different churches. But the churches were effective. So to answer your question, people established churches for a number of reasons. They, you know, young minister fell out with his pastor, and he got to go start a church Everybody got to start a church somewhere. So that's that's primarily why it ended up the way the way it did. Um, but again, the principles. Uh, again, this brother here, Dr. Lowry, he's young. He, he's, you know, he's a young preacher, and so he's not caught up in this traditionalist. You know, I'm a Baptist, or I'm Scotch Church of God in Christ, which ain't nothing but loud Baptist. I'm this, I'm that. No, what he decided to do was obey God. Uh, Winston told him. Uh, when you go back to Oakland, give them my word. And when you give the people the word, then you start seeing the results of it. And so it's no longer an issue of uh, churches. But I tell you this, nine times out of ten, if you find a bunch of black churches in a poor neighborhood, they're open half the time. They're not effective. And it's really, to be honest with you, not a church. It's an exercise of futility. Well, um, uh, Michael, you're not so... You know you're pretty young yourself, so how is he going to be your father, your 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 your, your mentor, and all of that? And he's a young man. I mean, what, what's going on here? You know, you ain't. I mean, you, you're kind of young your own self now. 
Well, how you gonna call him a young man? Now, uh, you know what's going on. Okay, okay, all right. I just had a little thought there. I just had to get some clarity about that. Show you. Give me my facts on you. It's all good, Mike. It's all good. Okay. Well, you know, uh, this is just going to be a, a question regarding the church and economics. As I indicated earlier, uh, we have been doing our summits every three months. And every three months, the, the role of the church in economics always comes up. And, again, uh, Reverend Elijah Hill from Austin, I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not sure if it's Austin, but he's from Texas. He's from the National uh, African American Museum of Religion, and he wanted to have this session because at first we did not have no session or workshop to address the church in economics, uh, but he brought it to our attention, and um, so naturally we talked about it when we have our summits. It's on the Chicago level, um, but will and can it reflect? And I guess it's going to have to reflect a national agenda with church and economics. And I guess we just need to be prepared because it always come up, whether we are prepared the loud, the loudest, or have it on the agenda or not. The loudest preachers, the preachers that get the attention of the folk, the preachers that are out there, regardless to how they appear or how they, you know, they're not trying to win friends and all of that, those are the ones that make the difference, Ron. And you have them. Dr. Sampson is an example. You have a man in Chicago. Jeremiah Wright is another. And so those are the ones. But the ones who are timid, who don't want to shake the establishment, who don't want to uh, shake, rock the boat, if you will, uh, those are the ones we want to stay, for, stay away from. I'm just being real. Because God don't need no punk preachers. And this pastor here, like a very few others, put their life on the line. That's putting your life on the line. When you go out there and talk to some hothead boy about not trying not to shoot somebody else and you stepping in the middle of it. You can't get compensated for that. There's no pastoral description nowhere on this planet that requires that. So that means that you're putting your life on the line, your own front street, okay? When that, when, uh, uh, the, the, I know you all heard about that uh, young man who shot those four police officers here in Oakland last year. Well, mm -hmm. when that happened, uh, uh, Dr. Lowry was sort of propelled to the forefront. Why? Because he's already out there. Now, the program was contracted through somebody else and organized by somebody else and all of this other stuff, but they weren't on the front lines. They was in the office. Dr. Lowry went through the byways and the highways. So that panel for that section of our national summit, in my view, and you can run this past the board there, I'm going to run it past my Dr. Lowry, if he shows up, that should be the one to run it, uh, along with someone who's doing that same thing that's not getting paid for it there in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, one thing for sure is uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend uh, Al Sampson here in Chicago, who wants to take his farm initiative nationally, uh, would definitely would want to extend his wings to uh, Oakland. Uh Reverend Laurie, do you think that's something you'll be interested in um, uh, discussing with um, Reverend Sampson? And if I can, before you answer, um, uh, Reverend, that's right, Reverend uh, Michael Carter 
were you ordained by uh, Reverend Sampson? Or was that was something that was um, discussed? No, it wasn't. I, I haven't done it yet because what happened? I, I, I was supposed to do that in May, but I didn't end up in Chicago for the, uh, the spring summit. But okay. Dr. Lowry is one of my ordination, ordination ministers, uh, and mm-hmm. I, it would have been an honor. I still want it to be an honor for him to do that because he is only one of two uh, uh, preachers that was ordained by Dr. King. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that uh, f- uh, food initiative, uh, Reverend Lowry, re- as it relates to Reverend L. Sampson on, and uh, what he wants to do with uh, addressing food in the black community? Did we lose them again? They, they disappeared on out again, didn't they? Oh, Let me see. Probably. I'm, I'm going to bring this 501. I'm gonna bring. Let me see. I, I don't know who this five one zero area code is. Uh, Larry, what about now? Hello. Yeah, you there? Yes. How you doing, caller? No, this is Doctor Hall again. Sorry about that. Didn't oh, call. okay, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I think it's two or three years behind. Okay. We should have been at it. We should have been had that food out uh, in these communities especially in the black neighborhoods. We should have been ahead of this game. Uh, Grandma, Big Mama has a green, green thumb. How do we get away from Big Mama's green thumb? I don't know. But it sounded like the enemy came in somewhere and sold us on to another way to eat. And now some of these next generations never even known about Big Mama's green thumb. So I'm for it 100 plus percent. I mean, I house 102 people right now, and I've helped over 3,500 to get off the streets of Oakland. So yeah, we need a we need a uh, we need a farm in our backyard. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, Sonia, you can help make that connection with um, Reverend Laurie and uh, Reverend Sampson, because I'm pretty sure that he definitely would want to communicate with you to see how may be some possibility of networking, because he do look at the um, the farming as a major economic arm of uh, feeding and providing our own base of uh, nutrition and food. So uh, I'm pretty sure, son, you can make that connection. I I absolutely can. Um, What, um, and I was just, uh, what I gave was just a tip of his program. His initiative, I mean, uh, Reverend Sampson's initial, he's, he, he's more than serious. I don't even know the word used about him and his farm and his agriculture and his initiative. It's just, it's, it's, it's in his heart. Uh, he is so into it. Yes, he wants to do it nationally. He wants this food shipped from these black farmers all over the country. And as this food moves from these black farmers, those are other jobs created. Every Every step of that food chain is another job, and that's what he's pushing uh, more than anything. And I just want to—I just want to take another uh, moment, just just so they know what Firm Will United is about. Just—I just, just want to take another, just one moment, because probably Dr. Laurie and and uh, Reverend Carter—I mean, he got everything here from the, the Girl Scouts to Veteran Affairs. He's got hip hop economics. I'm looking at his his uh, organizational chart. He's got internet, TV, and radio, computer classes, adopter school, CEDA, DNA. I mean, if he don't have all these classes, I mean, 
what you're talking about, Michael, is what it should be about. Now, if anyone is setting the template, I'm just impressed. Anyone is setting the template, this is a template for them to follow. And, uh, yes, Absolutely. I will connect them, Ron. I will, I will definitely, definitely connect them. Thank you. Uh, let, me, let me just say quickly that the, the website for uh, Dr. Lowry's ministry, which I am very heavily involved in and am proud to be, is www. Dot U-R-O-J-A-S dot org. That's Eurohas. That means the word Eurohas means God's prosperity and light. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to check wonderful. that out. Okay. And support okay. us. Support that. the organization. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with this whole initiative of many agendas as uh, naturally the the church being one of those focus uh and with the twelve different workshops or sessions that we have, uh we're looking at really taking advantage of the eyes on Chicago come August the uh uh the twentieth to the twenty third. Uh and with that theme of all eyes on Chicago, uh we know what we want to uh, achieve among ourselves, but how much do you think that that is a a, a, reali- a reality of all eyes on Chicago? I know that there's uh, marketing to make all that uh, happen, but given that that can be almost to the point of of all eyes on Chicago when Barack Obama was elected uh, president. Uh, Regardless if there's not that many numbers, what can the nation actually feel from such a movement that we are moving on? Ron, it's it's unspeakable. Uh, uh, And let me just uh, excuse Dr. Lowry. He's on his way to a meeting with the chief of police uh, here in discussing uh, we had a shooting and then they were having a visual uh, from the shooting, and then somebody came along and shot the people at the visual. So he mm. has to go in there and meet with, with the uh, chief. Uh, I, I believe, again, see, people are going to get tired of me saying this, but I, uh, you have to view this in the spiritual. It cannot be viewed like any other ordinary phenomenon. So... Uh, anybody stepping in the direction of this this movement, they got to realize it's not a carnal movement. It's not a natural movement. It's a spiritual one. And so all eyes on Chicago really is all eyes on what Chicago has been able to accomplish in the last three years that took Oakland, well, took Tulsa 91 years, took Oakland uh, uh, almost 15 You've been able to accomplish it in three with regards to uh, people coming, wanting to be a part, people showing up at your summits. And I think I heard somebody say that one of the older sisters had her shoes off and somebody told you to shut up. And But that's because the spirit <laughs> the spirit got to the point where folks say, I can't sit at home. I, I can't sit and see. Uh, they used to sing a song, I, I, I'm glad I got religion that I can feel sometimes. Ain't no need to have no religion that you can't feel. And so, mm-hmm. again, Chicago, all I know Chicago is really about 
seeing a, a model, now four models, seeing a body, an organization of black folk actually voting together, actually working it out. In other words, and, and this, I'm going to get in trouble with my, my theologian friends, but from what I've witnessed with Chicago Black Wall Street, y'all work better in what I guess the secular methodology than most churches. See, I've known the time of business meetings at churches with the setting like a Black Wall Street summit, Negroes bring guns and knives and won't cut somebody or shoot somebody because this trustee don't agree or trust that trustee or this deacon don't trust that deacon. But these supposed to be saved folk, Christian folk, spiritual folk, where they're full of hell is what they are. So that type of spirit, when you can come to a Black Wall Street summit and sit down and voice your opinion, that, that's not the, that's a rare occurrence these days. And and so even when you go to city council or to a Cook County hearing or whatever, you got to take a number, fill out a card or whatever. But when you come to a Black Wall Street summit, you get to voice your opinion. You get to even if you're not a, a, a and I don't know if I'm jumping the horse, a member, you can throw a resolution out there and say I move this, I move that, because you're participating. Well, what's behind that? A spirit. And so all eyes on Chicago is more than just about Chicago. I want everybody working with this national summit to get it in your head. I know you love Chicago, and I know you love your districts, Stony Island, Madison, 75th Street, and Bronzeville. That's all nice and good. But it's not about Chicago. It's not about you. It's what you're doing, my God, my God. What you're doing is making it possible so that when Gary comes on board, instead of it taking three years, it'd be three weeks. If the folk is knocking down the door and saying, oh, I'm going to put this there, I'm going to help do this with regard to Black Wall Street, I'm going to help solidify that, I'm going to help bring these young girls in who want to be entrepreneurs who are left out of the system, I'm going to help this young mother who always wanted to be an entrepreneur because her husband wasn't good and all that, the kids weren't doing right, she couldn't do it, she couldn't go to school, things like that. That's the spirit behind it. So that's what all, all eyes on Chicago is. It's more than just Chicago. It's about what the spirit has already, I mean, uh, I look at uh, what's the uh, your your registration coordinator. What's her name? A registration coordinator. Yeah, the one that's responsible for the legislation there. Uh, 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 the, the, I guess um, she's the liaison. Oh, oh, for uh, Stony Island, um, Angela Williams. A Angela Williams, and then there's another young lady there too. But I look at how the spirit. We talked for a long time, but I look at how the spirit has just you know encapsulated this woman. And other folk, look at Sonia. See, that's not something that just happens. There has to be something there that connects our spirits. Uh, and so uh, uh, when I first got to Tulsa, when I was in college, when I met some of those survivors, when I went to the Greenwood District and what's left of it, and to the, I mean, the spirit in me was immediately connected with the people there, and them people had been there years ago. So it was not a stretch for me to come home and say, I'm going to find me some folk in that same kind of spirit. So what the National Summit will do, it will garner that. It will support that. It will feed into that. And uh, before you know it, we're going to have folks just knocking down the doors like, like we're doing now. Because I would have never imagined that Chicago would be where it is now and still rolling. You couldn't have paid me, Ron. You couldn't have paid me to, uh, to believe that, the uh, Senate, even though a black brother put it through uh, Senator Trotter, would vote unanimously on something black. 
Now, if it was a black person that died and it was a memorial, that's a different thing. But for them to unanimously vote, you couldn't have paid me. So they ain't done that in California. So for them to even go that far, you see, a constituency to go that far, that's what it means all eyes on Chicago. Okay. That's great. That's great. I can feel that spirit in which uh, that spirit that you have definitely have uh, uh, rubbed off on us here in Chicago, even to the point of your your message and your voice that many have not heard um, uh, this morning based on um, – some of the people that was in the meeting this morning, uh, I believe half of them were new since the last time he was here in Chicago. Uh, right. So that was a good uh, pleasure for them to uh, hear from you from the national chair as we're moving forward. Uh, then I, what we're going to be doing is forwarding you uh, by tomorrow a, a result of our meeting today so that we can get your input and direction before we move forward to the final uh, by next week. Um, and as we do so, and as we I look at the... Might be I have one. Okay, what's that mean? No, that was somebody talking to me. I'm in the hood. I'm okay. right in Black Wall Street. So <laughs> as we started the this conversation of uh, this uh, session of Chicago Black Business Network uh, talk program, we started off of focusing on the cities and how yeah. the plans are going to affect or should they affect our initial plans um, and how different parts of the country, as we have had people from all over the country to be on our uh, radio program here that yeah. have stressed the displeasure of city planning and as it relates to what they need to do out of their frustrations. Uh, would you have any uh, remarks on exactly how uh, or a message to them, as even though you have definitely portrayed yourself very good in the spirit and the mission of Black Wall Street, but can you key on some specifics on what these other cities need to be doing right now for those that not may not be able to be at this summit in August. Well, first of all, I would encourage anybody, uh, everybody who's listening, to, to to try to make that effort. But if you're not going to make it, uh, you got to get in, involved uh, in some way. And uh, I preached a sermon not too long ago. It's not about me. I preached another sermon that said, "Take the eye out of you. Take the eye out of you." Uh, and so that's the first step. Here in Oakland, I mentioned 7th Street where uh, my grandparents started out when they came to Texas and Arkansas. So uh, when they shut that down with these uh, transportation and the, the major uh, uh, post office, what it forced those African Americans to do was to move eastwardly in, in Oakland. So there were no black people in East Oakland uh, at that time in the 40s. And what it did was when they started moving eastward, the Germans and the Portuguese and the French, and the, and the French uh, they, they began really start to flee. They, they, they just took flight. I mean, they, they didn't want to be uh, connected in, in, in any way uh, with uh, uh, African Americans. Well, the reason they moved to East Oakland Black Folk is because of the general plan of the city. So what I'm saying is, is even though there are general plans all over the city to exclude African Americans or to exclude Hispanics or anybody for that matter, 
there's always a, a, a an opportunity for you to continue, for you to uh, to grow. It may seem harsh and it may disrupt your community, but if you may, you know uh, maintain that spirit, uh, there was always an opportunity for you to create and continue to create. I heard Sonia on one show not too long ago say, "When have you ever known black folk to just have one business in one area?" And that's true. Uh, Black Wall Street was a rarity. It was not uh, Harlem and, and, and Black Wall Street Durham. That was a rarity. But you can't ignore it now because, you see, this is a national uh, campaign. And when you have Black Wall Street USA, we're pretty much all on the same page. We want what's best for our community. We want children to grow up in those communities to uh, and have everything in that community that they would need. And if something comes along like a general plan of a city and the city planners are uh, 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 saying, well, we got another plan for the city, then that's when we step up and we say, well, look, you're going to have to come to us in order mm-hmm. to make this happen. They did not burn down 7th Avenue. No, no. They went intimate, intimate domain. They might as well have burned down 7th Avenue. My great aunt, great, uh, great aunt Esther, she had a restaurant on there. She just died, 93 years old, my grandfather's sister. She had a business over there for 72 years. Mm-hmm. 72 Years and so um, again, irrespective for Black Wall Street Oakland, irrespective of the general plan, they have a plan right now for Black Wall Street District uh, Oakland to run a trolley, you know, to take buses, remove all the parking on the street, and to have these buses stop at maybe every three blocks, and uh, you can't park on the street. So you know that's going to affect the businesses on International Boulevard. Well, what we did was we had meetings with at the churches on international, at the churches that are well-established, because that's the general plan for that area. Initially, initially, mm-hmm. they wanted to turn International Boulevard into a residential strip, meaning they would no longer zone that area for business. They wanted to turn, you know, condos and apartments and things like that uh, to try to disrupt the economic uh, flow. But we raised hell, uh, and so they came up with this other plan to eliminate parking and have buses run now. So our response to that now is to get this uh, black transportation company that's one of the top businesses in, 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 uh, on the black enterprise. They're based right here in Fairfield, California, uh, to uh, donate buses to, black Wall, to the Black Wall Street District so that people, when they want to come to the area, they'll park in the parking lot, hop on one of them, them shuttles, and then go anywhere up and down in, into the uh, Black Wall Street District that they want. So we have to be creative, we have to strategize, and know that every city that got a general plan does not necessarily mean that that is the best general plan for that city because things change, compositions change, populations change. So we don't know if Chicago is going to really look like the Chicago today in 40 years. You don't know. Nobody knows that. So, again, we have to, uh, we have to be strategic. We have to plan properly, and we have to work together. And the strength, and I thank God today, I really do, the strength of black, the spirit of Black Wall Street is just exploding. It's exploding all over the place. And uh, the time has come for us to just stop using the name Black Wall Street and actually have a place where folk can go and say, I, I'm in the Black Wall Street district. I'm a part of the, 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 the solution. Um, and so that, well, that's, I can't that, say I that. Yeah, well, I can say that here in Chicago, 
even from the um, the younger generation to the older. So when I mention the term Black Wall Street, they may not know what Black Wall Street Chicago is, but they give a, hmm, yeah, I think I have heard of that. Even mm-hmm. though they may not know another, they, but so it is catching uh, mm-hmm. to a great extent, even if they're not familiar with Black Wall Street, uh, Oakland or Black Wall Street, uh, uh, USA or Black Wall Street, Chicago, they are feeling that purpose of that name uh, more than the, the the Black Wall Street game, the Black Wall Street mm-hmm. record company, or the Black Wall Street financial services. They're feeling that message that comes along with that term. So I can admit that what you all started in Oakland, California, has definitely uh, uh, have a base of uh, understanding to move forward on. So, yeah. Well, you know, Ron, you're right. It, it, it's, it's amazing. But, see, the difference is in that Black Wall Street Records and uh, Black Wall Street this and Black Wall Street that, that uh, we couldn't just stop at that. We couldn't make it a, a, a catchphrase or a, a, a fad phrase or something that's just here for the, the moment. It has to be, when you say the name Black Wall Street, I want it to be where? Where is there? If I'm in Texas, I want to say, okay, where is there Black Wall Street? If I'm in Louisiana, boom, where is it? If I'm in Illinois or Philadelphia, where is that Black Wall Street? I wanted to get to that point where people make it a point that when they visit a certain state, they go to San Diego or Seattle, I want to find West Seattle. I want to find Imperial Boulevard. I want to find West MacArthur Highway in Peoria. I want to find these places because it's more to it than just a name. They can go into a restaurant, sit down, eat. Why? Because that's the Black Wall Street district. And I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't sleep no more. I haven't slept well since the, we started planning for this national summit because I know that this is God behind it. He's doing this, yeah. and 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 so you know, I better stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, you right on the road. Well, I tell you what, we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, when you say you better stop, that's basically the only reason why you need to stop because our time is up against the uh, up against the clock. Uh, right. uh, Minister Reverend, my friend, my brother Michael Carter, yes. Uh, yes. you got to. I have to admit with you that there definitely was a spirit because I know that when I was searching to try to find out what is I'm here doing in Chicago with this Black Wall Street, I can mm-hmm. say that uh, God did lead me to you. Say this is what you're doing, <laughs> and I gave you a call, and from that point I understood what I was doing and why I was doing it, because initially I didn't have no idea what I was doing. I just felt something had to be done. But the, the, the template that you all have laid in Oakland, California, definitely has been a template that the nation uh, have to follow. So with that, I'm going to... Um, let it go with um, uh, Sonia uh, so that she don't uh, uh, pull out a whip on me based on this time element we got here. So, um, my dear Sonia Perdue. He's getting better, Michael Carter. Oh, boy, he's getting better. Because you know he, he takes us down to like 30 seconds. He's getting better. I, I got, that's okay. He's getting better. That's okay. I got, I got a couple okay. minutes, and you got, you got a couple more minutes. I gave you a few more minutes. Thank you. That's okay. 
That's okay, my brother. Uh, for all of you, we're, you're listening to Black Wall Street USA with our, our host, Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, and with us tonight, uh, getting on a roll, and that's okay, uh, National President Michael Carter out of Oakland. We want to remind you to join us uh, for the Black Wall Street National Convention and Summit scheduled for August 20th through the 23rd. All eyes will be on Chicago as we anticipate more than 500 500 professionals from across the country to be in attendance, and uh, you should be part of this historical event. And, yes, Michael, the buzz is going. It's going. Uh, I don't think we – We've seen, we haven't seen it happen yet. I mean, what's going to happen is going to be something else. I mean, we haven't seen it. Every day uh, the calls are coming in, every day uh, requests from the media, it is something's, something's happening. We're counting down week eight, and we're going to just roll right. right on with it, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. And we want all of you to know, for all of you that don't know, Black Wall Street Chicago has a weekly committee meeting every Thursday at 8.30 a.m. over at South Street Journal located at 449 East 35th Street. In Chicago, call us at 312-624-8351. But what we really want each and every one of you to do is go to the website now, right now, before June 30th, because there is a discount before June 30th, to register for the August 20th Summit. Our website is www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That is our national website, www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Every Thursday evening, tune into Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Join us every Thursday at join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. and be a part of sustaining and increasing Black businesses. In closing, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles, isn't it, Ron Carter? <laughs> and we learned that it. persistence. <laughs> I'm telling you, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something that you believe in, in the spirit, right, Michael Carter, in spite of obstacles. We want to thank every, every one of you for joining us this evening. Everyone have a great evening as we go out with one of my favorite songs, Something to Believe in. Good night, gentlemen, and I love you for all that you do. Good night. Good night.
woman and man since time began sacrificed. Sometimes wise with the ways of love, compromise. Mommy Blues, you lose the family And that ain't for me Something to believe, something to believe in I gotta have someone, someone Something, someone, something to believe in To believe in, something to believe Nothing hardness coming out of when you start a friend holding hands and then much more something to adore something to believe something someone to believe in something to believe in something to believe something someone to believe in Have your heaven on earth for someone to believe. 